Xenobots. Stardust. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is entertainment news. This is from CNN.com. And the headline is, a Japanese billionaire is looking for a life partner to fly with him to the moon. Uh, Oh. Japanese billionaire (laughs) Yusaku Mizawa, who is apparently a very famous billionaire who I never heard of before I read this. Okay. But a lot of people know him. Um, He is serious about his search for a special someone to join him on a space voyage to the moon. Having recently split up with his girlfriend, <laughs> oh, this is a mogul, serious rebound. Fashion mogul Mizawa has launched an online appeal for a female quote life partner to accompany him on SpaceX's maiden tourist voyage, a slingshot trip around the moon, tentatively scheduled for 2023. Mizawa founded Japan's popular online shopping site Zozo Town, which I also had never heard of before <laughs> sure. I read this. He just made this all up as far as I know. <laughs> um, and he's worth an estimated $2 billion, according to Forbes. Widely known as a high-rolling art collector, Mizawa announced in 2018 that he planned to take six to eight artists with him on a moon voyage um, and inspire them to create new art um, in a project he called Dear Moon. So, according to his new website, Mizawa basically said that he thought that this lunar trip was a good chance to, quote, seriously face up the idea of continuing to love one woman, which I'd only really had a hazy image about, end quote. That is a wild quote. That's a wild way to say whatever that was. (laughs) Yeah. um, So, basically, there is an application process open now on this website always a good sign looking for a relationship (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you can apply to this um to be his life partner and according to the conditions listed on the website applicants must be a single woman aged 20 or over with a bright personality and always positive have an interest in going to space and wish for world peace uh yeah uh, the deadline for these applications is January 17th, which is actually today, if you're listening to this on Friday when we release this episode. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, so you're probably out of time. But uh, Did you want it? <laughs> if, you, if you, you know, I don't know if any of us actually want to apply to this, but <laughs> um, the final decision is scheduled to be made by Mizawa at the end of March. Applicants are also asked to provide their height, job, Hobbies. Yeah, the first thing was height. <laughs> you can't be taller In than, order of priority. Um, a special skill, uh, your personal selling points, your impression of Mizawa, like what's your impression of him, and a photo of yourself. I guess the photo of yourself was like the last thing on this list. I don't know. Okay. I, okay. But height was the first thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the, the, my final point here is that the matchmaking search will be filmed for a new documentary called Full Moon Lovers. Oh, my God. <laughs> so all this is happening in the next couple of months. 
And then if you, I actually went to the website and looked at more details. And if you make it in, well, actually, yeah, if you make it through like the first round of like the application process, you have to be like interviewed and they're going to be like filming and making this like documentary and you're going to like go on dates with him and stuff. Like it basically sounded like The Bachelor. Yeah. And then where where the prize is that you get like chosen and then you get to go on a trip to the, like this trip that he's already planning, like with these artists. Uh Uh-huh. You get to go on that. Yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Do you? Do you have thoughts first, about this? First of all, first of all, if I can't have her, I'm going to the moon. Like what kind of insane reaction? <laughs> like my girlfriend broke up with me. I'm opening I'm, a worldwide I'm... application process for your replacement. And we're going to the moon. And we're going to go to the moon. Second, when you first said it, it sounded like they were going to go like live on the moon, which... Mm. Okay, which the fact that they're just going kind of around it yeah. is what it sounds like is much yeah. more reasonable. It's like, what's the point of marrying somebody, presumably for his money? Because, like, let's be honest, what else is anybody doing right. this for? Like, you marry him for his money and then you move to the moon where you can't do anything <laughs> with it. Yeah, yeah. No, they're just doing this artistic slingshot around the moon space trip. And... Okay, so that is a whole other website that I also went to and looked at. And it's this whole like thing about how like this this billionaire has this the reason he's bringing artists with him and he's like I, I want to bring the beauty of what the earth looks like from space to the world and so I want to bring artists into space and so he is going to choose like one painter and one musician and one like something. I don't know, there's like eight people. He's going to pick these people. And that hasn't happened yet either. No. Is that going to also be a reality show? Probably. I hate most of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the sad part is I'm sure many people will apply to this. Oh, yeah. And like, I, I just, I don't know. This this is just what's Seems like a good way to wrong get like 15 something. minutes of fame and be on a reality show and yep. marry somebody with a bunch of money. Yep. My first story is robot news. This is also from CNN. Meet the Xenobot, the world's first living, self-healing robots created from frog stem cells. Uh, what? Uh Uh-huh. Wait, what? Yup. They're named Xenobots after the African clawed frog, which has the name, the, uh, oh my goodness, scientific name, uh, Xenopus uh, Levis or something to that effect. Um, but that's where they got the stem cells. Uh, these new machines, they keep, they keep calling machines, but it's like entirely living tissue. So it's kind of, I don't know. I'll get it. We'll get into it. Um, okay. The machines are less than a millimeter wide, small enough to travel inside of human bodies. Comforting. Um, they can walk and swim, survive for weeks without food, and work together in groups. Um, this is such a weird story. Uh, stem cells are unspecialized cells that have the ability to de- develop into different cell types. Uh, the researchers scraped living stem cells from frog emb- embryos and then left them to incubate. Then the cells were cut and reshaped into specific body forms designed by a supercomputer. So apparently an AI designed these things too, which is also kind of a strange part of it. Oh, um, the cells then began to work on their own. Skin cells bonded to form structure, while pulsing heart muscle cells allowed the robots to move on their own. Um, they even have self-healing capabilities. When the scientists sliced into one robot, it healed by itself and kept moving. Just... 
there's a whole lot of ethical questions here too. It's like cutting into it just seems mean because it's technically living, right? I have a lot of questions yeah. and I'm going to wait okay, until you're done and then I will start asking them. Okay. Um, the article kind of stupidly points out they don't look like traditional robots. Yeah. Um, they don't have shiny gears or robotic arms. We, Yeah, there's pictures of them. Instead, <laughs> they look more like t- a tiny blob of pink flesh. Um, they're neither a traditional robot nor a known species of animal. It's a new class of artifact, a living programmable organism. So, like, these scientists, I guess, are creating life. No big deal. Um, as biological machines, xenobots are more environmentally friendly and safer to human health. That's good, I guess. Uh, xenobots could be used to clean up radioactive waste, collect microplastics in the oceans, carry medicine inside human bodies, or even travel into our arteries to scrape out plaque. we got lots of ideas for these little things. Oh. <laughs> and aside from these immediate, <laughs> the article says, practical tasks, like, yeah, so super practical, just put some of these things inside your body, see what happens. Um, the xenobots could also help researchers to learn more about cell biology. Uh, opening the doors to future advancement in human health, longevity, and regenerative medicine that is building body parts and inducing regeneration in people because that's kind of what stem cells do. So that is all I have. Okay. So now what do Um, you think? um, Oh, my my goodness. Where do I even start? Okay. Um, Why are these even robots? That's... Yeah, I feel like they're using the wrong word for them because they have no mechanical parts whatsoever. How are they programmable? I mean, they're created. Like, they're built. And they choose, like, what... I don't know if they're, like, able to program the stem cells themselves to determine what kind of tissue they turn... Or what kind of... Yeah, maybe they're, they they're, they're using the word programming, but actually they're designing like biological processes in these things. And that's their version of programming. It's not like an act, like there's no computer in it. It's all cells. Right. It sounds like, right? Yeah. It's completely made from cells. It's a, it's a man-made cellular organism is what it is. Yeah. This is what it looks like. Or like an example of what one of them looks like. I mean, they okay, look like a little like blob. A blob. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's another one that has a hole in it and looks like a little donut. Okay. They say one of those could be like used for drug delivery and they just like stick the okay. drugs in there and I don't know. So I think that all of those uses that they mentioned are legit. Mm-hmm. And I actually think there are a lot of like I think I think that this type of thing probably could be used for all of that, but there's an equal amount of harm that these things could be used for. Right. And I now want to know, are they developing some type of like, I don't know, emergency stop. <laughs> I mean, it sounds uh, like treatment. The, it sounds you have these like in your body. Worst <laughs> like, case, the things only live for like a couple of weeks. If they're in an environment with a lot of nutrients, if there aren't okay. nutrients, they live for a couple of days just off of what like is, they come like prepackaged with some nutrients. I so, see. so that, <laughs> they're not like they don't Worst have longevity. Worst case, we just have to wait. They're not able to reproduce or evolve. They said also, so that's not a concern. Okay. So, but in 
five years from now are they going to be able to reproduce and evolve? <laughs> like, this is just so I don't know. Like, Maybe. Are we like just man making organisms here? That's kind of what it sounds like. I and mean, then like what are the ethical implications of creating, yeah. creating what are essentially living things, but also kind of like well, grotesque and okay. not. We're now getting animal. into. It's very weird. We are now getting into an ethics conversation. Right. There are lots of schools of thought schools of thought with what what the realms of like different rules of ethics apply to like what types of life. Uh-huh. And a the a pretty common one is that plants which are living organisms don't have any like higher level thought processes and therefore our human thoughts about certain ethics don't apply to them. And right now, the way that that is described, I would say that that kind of falls Falls more into that category. Yeah. Now, you know, could it evolve into something later? (laughs) Not, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I do. I I don't know. But today I think that what you just described, like I personally don't have a problem with creating it and like manipulating it and stuff. Cause it seems like just a, it's the same as something like a plant. It's something you could like grow in a, an environment Mm -hmm. that is conducive to growing it. And it is technically, it's a group of cells that are programmed to do something. Right. But, but don't like think on their own or have even a brain or anything like that. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the, the thing that makes it more, it pushes it more into a gray area for me is the fact that it comes from an animal. Mm. I don't know. Should be fine. Yeah, should be fine. It'll be fine. It's all good. Everything's I'm gonna, fine. I'm gonna go find some. And, I'm gonna just go find some and eat them right now. Okay, my next story is health news. This is from a random Fox News local news website. Uh, <laughs> okay. The headline is: Study going to the movies is good for your heart. Okay. According to <laughs> according to a new study from the University College of London, um, researchers studied 77 people in collaboration with a movie theater chain and discovered their heart rates during a two-hour movie were similar to a light gym workout. <laughs> Guess what movie they were watching when they did this? Cats. No, it should have been. It should have been because that I would have believed. Just a constant state of terror. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't even a scary movie. I thought it would have been scary. But it oh. Frozen 2. No. Frozen 1. No. Um, the 2019 live action version of Aladdin. Oh. Isn't that random? Hey, I was getting closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the study participants watched this movie in a movie theater and they wore electronic sensors to track their heart rate. Don't know why that's the movie that they picked. Probably just timing of what was in the theater. Sure. We can only do this at 2.45 p.m. on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) What's playing? (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't what I meant, but okay. Um, So... The authors of the study said, quote, this level of stimulation can help to build cardio fitness levels and burn fat. Don't believe that uh, is really backed by evidence. But no, 
Um, <laughs> they realize exercise so, is more than just your heart beating oh, faster, yeah. right? <laughs> what? Oh, you can't just what? Can't you just your heart's beating a little bit and like you can burn fat and like lose weight, right? Like that's all. Does it mean right? it's really healthy for me to panic? <laughs> So, so, um, there was a link to the summary of this study in the news article I was reading. So I went there and I looked at that and, um, it turns out, which was, you know, not how this news article was explaining this, but the main focus of the research was actually looking at the effects of turning off all your devices and being in a focused environment free of distractions and what types of physical effects that has on your body. That is an entirely different study that than, was they're, actually than they're describing. The study. Yeah. So that was actually the point of like why they did this. And then that's why they set it up as like, oh, be in a movie theater because you're supposed to like, you know, turn off your phone and like it's dark and you're not like going to be distracted by anything and you can just focus on something for two hours. Um, so that was the point. So they wanted to see like what types of physical effects that would have and this was just kind of like an incidental finding of that was that like oh wow people's heart rates actually rise while when they're watching a movie you know up to like this level or whatever and then that tidbit is what the news outlets chose to focus on (laughs) okay um i mean they love anything that's good for your heart red wine right a cup of coffee a day love not having a cup of coffee a day. (laughs) um yeah, anything that's like, oh my gosh, lose weight, pull that out of the yeah. study and don't even talk about anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's that is actually what they were doing. And so there's some other things in the, I don't know what the, the summary was this like PowerPoint thing. I didn't actually look and find like the actual, I don't know if it, hopefully it was actually published somewhere and it wasn't <laughs> was just, it just, just like the PowerPoint. PowerPoint. <laughs> hopefully, I didn't actually see that anywhere um that's where we pull so our news from now it's just some random powerpoint we found on the internet <laughs> someone made a powerpoint that said this um but uh yeah it had some other statistics about like people's feelings and like if they felt more relaxed uh, you know not have you know in the, having done that and and they were looking at like mental effects of it too so okay that was more a context of why they actually did this it wasn't like people just did a study of like is this like a workout let's put people in the theater yeah well, so I'm glad you went to the the primary source or secondary source. At, How do sources work? A, it's probably a prime. Wait a minute. Hmm. I don't. Uh, well, no, it's a primary. Yeah, if the, if it's the, a primary it's source. A, it's a primary source because it's primary relative to the study, not like relative to the people being observed in yes. the study. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, it's not <laughs> yeah. important. I more went interesting. there, <laughs> found out more context. That was the context. Now you know. Uh, um. But, uh, yeah, so apparently Aladdin is pretty intense. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. I I did not <laughs> so, realize. I mean, that, that scene where he's getting chased by the guards in the original animated movie is pretty, like, ah. Uh, so yeah, that's true. That's maybe. true. I don't know. I mean, Jafar can be kind of scary, right? Yeah. I guess, like, he's a pretty good villain, right? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I never had a panic attack watching animated <laughs> Disney movies, so... Uh, me neither, but this one's live action. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it now. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Watch it and monitor our heart rates. <laughs> yeah. My next story is animal news. <laughs> this is from WXII12.com. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> it's a local news station. Uh, North Carolina Zoo announces birth of female white rhino. A white rhino! Yeah. They're very, I mean, there's still a number of them in captivity, but they're, I 
think they're functionally extinct in the wild. I think they are. Um, so it's really cool that they're successfully breeding them. Yeah. Um, the calf weighed about 100 pounds and will be named at a later time. The baby was born to Mother Kit and Father Stormy. Uh, she is the third southern white rhino born to the zoo in two years. So they've really been like... Oh, that's great. They've been really successful in their breeding program. Yeah. Um, the zoo said both the calf and the mother are doing well. The baby is expected to gain more than 100 pounds each month in her first year. Oh, wow. And will weigh up to 5,500 pounds when fully grown. They are tanky beasts. Um, the zoo's 40-acre Watani Grasslands expansion in 2008 was created specifically for breeding a rhino herd. Um, and their herd currently consists of nine rhinos, uh, the males Stormy, females Linda, Kit, Natalie, Abby, and Olivia, and calves Nandy, Bonnie, and the new female calf that is, as of yet, unnamed. Wow. I always like to see this kind of story. Yeah. Just That's r- rare animals, Rare animals being, being <sighs> bred, making new ones. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I don't... I, feel like I always hear that it's actually really difficult to breed rhinos, but I don't, mm-hmm. remember, I don't know why, but yeah, I think, I think it is not as difficult as pandas. Pandas are oh, apparently, pandas are really difficult. Pandas are really difficult because they don't want to reproduce. Like they just actively don't want to. Whereas oh. like, I think with rhinos, it's just, it's just difficult for them. Like I think chances are low or something. I don't yeah. know. Um, well, but sounds this like is, this is, sounds working. like they're doing yeah, a good job true. here. Yeah. Good Great. job. Good job, North Carolina Zoo. Yeah. All right. My next story is space news. This is from ScienceDaily.com. The headline is Meteorite contains the oldest material on Earth, seven billion year old stardust. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Scientists have now discovered stardust that formed, actually, they don't know the exact, but Five to seven billion years ago. Okay. Either way, pretty old. Yes. And it's the oldest solid material ever found on Earth. The findings were published recently in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. The materials examined in this research are called pre-solar grains. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, which are minerals formed before the sun was born. So oh, anything oh, okay. that's older than our sun in our sense. solar system, yeah. they... I guess call it that. Hmm. High in fiber. Yeah. <laughs> the oldest ancient grain. <laughs> um, Make a bread with this. <laughs> we should start a cereal called pre-solar grains. <laughs> it's incredibly expensive. <laughs> we'll advertise oh it to God. that to that billionaire from earlier. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so these bits of stardust became trapped in meteorites where they remained unchanged for billions of years, making them time capsules of the time before the solar system. And then those meteorites hit our planet, and that's how we can find these pre-solar grains. Hmm. So they're very rare. They're found only in about 5% of meteorites that have fallen to the Earth. And they're also very, very tiny. So in order to isolate these particles, scientists have to go through an isolation process that involves crushing fragments of meteorites into a powder and then making a paste out of it and then dissolving that with some type of acid until only the pre-solar grains are remaining. Wow. And they, they made the analogy of burning down the haystack to find the needle in this article, <laughs> which I thought was funny. That is funny, except I don't know if it depends on how hot the hay got, if the needle would even survive the process. Yeah, yeah, it'd have to be 
I guess it probably You'd have to would. use a type of fire that wouldn't burn the needle, I guess. I guess so. Which is what they're doing here. Yeah. Don't know what type of acid this is, but apparently it doesn't destroy non, the... It's super non-pre-solar acid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's post-solar acid. That's the, that's the key. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So then after they do that, they somehow measure the particle's exposure to cosmic rays like cumulative exposure to cosmic rays in order to figure oh. out how old they are. Oh, wow. And I don't, like, they kind of explain that in here, but not really, and I don't really understand that process. Yeah. But they can somehow measure that. Huh. And that's how they know how old they are. So they did that with these particles from a specific meteorite, and they found that they were, you know, five to seven billion years, and that was, like, the oldest particles they've ever found of any of these. Yeah, that is so wildly old. Yeah. Um, one of the other key findings from this study was... Um, direct evidence for a period of enhanced star formation in our galaxy 7 billion years ago, or like around that same time period that these particles are from. Okay. Um, and I didn't really understand why these grains are evidence of that, but I <laughs> guess that they could, they gleaned some information hmm. from the existence of these particles that, that said that like a lot of stars were forming around that time hmm. in the universe. Okay. I'm, so, yeah. I wonder if just like the right. fact that it would be so unlikely for them to find them if something like that hadn't happened. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's what they're going off of. It could be. That's my best guess. I have no idea. That makes sense to me. Let's go with it. Yeah. I didn't even know you could melt down meteorites into, and find stardust in there. I so. didn't either. Stardust. <laughs> my next story is technology news. This is from sciencemag.org. This kind of relates to my first story in a, a little bit. Um, Frankenstein material can self-heal, reproduce. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's the same thing. Something kind else? of. Ish. Not really. <laughs> okay. It, it, it'll become clear. Okay. Uh, researchers have now created a form of concrete that not only comes from living, or, uh, living creatures, but given the right inputs, can turn one brick into two, two into four, and four into eight. Oh. Um, while the new material won't be uh, self-assembling houses anytime soon, it could soon lead to building components that can uh, heal themselves when they're damaged or offer ma uh, Mars-bound astronauts a way to build structures from local materials with the addition of some microbes. Uh, the new concrete is the latest addition to the burgeoning field of engineered living materials, or ELMs, uh, in which organisms, typically bacteria, are added to inanimate materials to enable them to sense, communicate, and even respond to their environments. Uh, recent uh, ELMs that have been created uh, can sense pressure, kill dangerous bacteria, and sense light. So it's basically like adding bacteria to things to make it responsive and do things that it wouldn't normally do. Um, what is this world? I know, right? Like, there's all these, both of these stories is <laughs> like, this, this is coming from nowhere. nowhere. We've never... This sounds totally futuristic, which is yeah. pretty sweet. Um, for this project, scientists mixed a species of cyanobacterium with sand and a hydrogel that helped retain water and nutrients. The mix provides structural support to the bacteria, which, as they grow, lay down calcium carbonate, similar to the way some ocean creatures create shells. When it dries out, the resulting material is as strong as cement-based uh, mortar. So basically, they're excreting cement. Um, 
Under the right conditions, which included relatively high humidity, the living material not only survived but reproduced. After the researchers split the original brick that they created in half and added extra sand, hydrogel, and nutrients, the cyanobacteria grew into two full-size bricks. After three generations in which they again split the bricks, they had eight. So they just like kept reproducing into more bricks. Um, applications under consideration include growing a temporary runway by see, uh, seeding bacteria and sand in uh, seeding bacteria in sand and hydrogel. So basically, like providing the materials and just having them construct a path that would just like be a temporary runway for like military operations or something, hmm. um, hmm. or uh, there's also the trip to Mars that I mentioned where it would be much easier to transport these bacteria and then have them like operate on the local sand, essentially, um, than it would be to transport like bricks themselves. Um, so, yeah, we were apparently... That's incredible. Yeah, we're just making making materials that can that can heal themselves. Here's a picture of like a little structure they had them build. That is amazing. Yeah. I, I'm just the... Just that, okay, that last concept of like being able to transport this Mm -hmm. and that being easier than having to transport all of the bricks or all of the actual like. Or like trying to grow trees on Mars or something so you can have wood. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like that applies to Earth too. I mean, like, just that is so cool. Well, doesn't it seem like, it seems like something like that would be really cool for like, um, like, if an area experiences earthquakes and like if the buildings are made from this material or something, they can just like, like repair, repair themselves? themselves after something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or imagine if like the foundations of houses somehow could be like injected with that mm-hmm. instead of, okay, if like the foundation of your house like cracks or something like yeah. with concrete or And you just have to like feed it more sand or yeah. something. And yeah. Then you just, just feed it with this like special material and it would like bond with the other stuff and just become like cement solid again. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. It seems really cool. Like, ah, I love stuff like this. uh, Where did this? I've never. (laughs) I know. First, we're making flesh robots, and now we're. I just now we're making bricks that grow themselves. I I naively thought that you and I would at least have like because of the frequency that we monitor like these like new technology (laughs) like news stories and stuff. We would have like at least heard something. Heard some About rumblings of, <laughs> like, of us creating life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? Apparently it's not. out of nowhere. Wow, that is super cool. Yeah. That is super cool. I think so, I too. am very excited for where that goes in the future. Mm. Yeah, I have fewer ethical concerns about this because it's yeah, essentially same. just like bacteria that already exist just, and yeah. you're just feeding them. Yeah. All right, it's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look for stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Full moon lovers. <laughs> Ready, set, go. go. Okay, I found something on UPI. Um, this is a social media trending thing. Um, Utah man locked inside 24-hour fitness gym after closing. So apparently there's a 24-hour fitness, and they changed their hours to be closed from midnight to 4 a.m. And um, <laughs> this guy didn't know that, and he was swimming in the pool like until after midnight, and I guess the people that were working there didn't know he was there, and they like locked the building and left. 
and he like got out of the pool and was locked into the gym and started like posting a bunch of stuff on Facebook like I'm locked in this 24 hour fitness. And he had to, and he called um he called 911 because and then he told the dispatch like he didn't want to like break out because he thought that he would like set off an alarm and stuff and then be like accused of breaking and entering or something. Yeah. So he basically called the police and was like, can you please come and like let me out of this <laughs> building? And so while he was waiting, he was actually, I watched the interview with this guy. He's like really funny. And he, he was like, I felt like I was in home alone. I was like, wow, I'm alone in this gym. And he was like going around and like taking these selfies of himself just like in the gym. Cause he, he was only in there for like an hour and like he just came and let him out. Like it was just, a, it's like not that big of a deal. But anyway, now it's this like thing that's like going viral on social media. That's um, like a hundred percent on the employees of that place. Like the pool should be the easiest place to check if somebody's still there. It's so obvious. If, if he'd been like, I was tucked in a corner in a locker room or something like then I would understand, but yeah. like, he's in the pool. Yeah. I mean, he said he was in the pool. I mean, maybe like, I don't know, you know, we don't know the exact situation. Right. Maybe he had like just gotten out of the pool and that's when they checked or something. Yeah. I don't know the details, but according to him, he was swimming in the pool, got out of the pool and was locked inside and was alone. <laughs> so, and then I was like, isn't this a 24 hour facility? Like, yeah. I guess names a little um, misleading, huh? Yeah. And I guess, then, you know, the response from the gym was like, oh, we recently changed our hours to be closed from midnight to 4 a.m., which kind of makes sense. Like, who's at the gym at that time? That guy. Apparently <laughs> this guy. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. That's very good. Yeah. Right, continuing my theme of weird websites, this one is from kwwl.com. It's another <laughs> local site. Um for every inch of snow, Bush beer prices drop $1. Why? <laughs> Fair question. Uh, with their Bush Snow Day promotion, the company is offering $1 off a Bush purchase for every inch of snowfall up to a $30 rebate. Um, for Iowa residents, this is like specific to certain states. Okay. I think this is a local like Iowa news company. Anyway, uh, the total snowfall measurement amount will be determined on... Uh, by the amount of snowfall received in Des Moines during the period from January 1st, 2020 through March 20th, 2020. A lot of 20s in there. Um, from the company, winter is about to get harsh, but Bush is here to make the cold months go down a little easier so our fans can focus on the things that really matter. During Bush, like beer? Like beer. You know, nothing more refreshing than a cold beer on a, on a freezing winter day. <laughs> Um, during Bush Snow Day, every inch of snow in select cities in the Midwest and Great Lakes equals $1 off of Bush. The more snow that falls, the more the price of Bush. Um, the promotion only appears to apply in Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, North Dakota, Nebraska, New York, and Wisconsin, which is a weird, like, oh. like random selection yeah, of I, states, like North Dakota, but not South Dakota. Yeah, <laughs> That's so random. Like all the states around Ohio, but not Ohio. Um, and I and I like went and looked at their website, this bush.com slash snow day, and they have a regularly updated table of the current snowfall for each of the participating states so you can see like how much like there's a couple that are already over four inches of snow. So That's, So at any point does it become free the beer? Oh they said it's like up to a thirty dollar rebate. So I assume you have to purchase more than thirty dollars worth of beer 
at once oh. to get. I I don't think they would like. I guess we'll pay you twenty dollars for this we'll can of beer. <laughs> I guess we'll pay you to purchase our beer, which is the only way I would drink it. Sorry, Bush is gross. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink that. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> why? Why is it only in some states? Why? It's such a weirdly specific uh, promotion, and I yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. I mean, weird. I guess it's kind of creative. I just yeah. don't know why it's in only some states. Probably just local laws that do yeah, something. maybe something about know. how cheap beer can be or something. <laughs> yeah, actually, we're laughing, but there probably are laws about that. It's like yeah, you can't that would actually discount beer over a certain amount or something like that because mm-hmm. only in South weird, Dakota. <laughs> some like weird, like antiquated alcohol laws or something. Right. Hmm. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, it's all speculation. Yep. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at at News. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.